Cut the Crest presents The Screening Room that wasn't obvious i yeah i'm 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 british i was uh born and uh born and bred born and bred in london mate yeah like maybe it's because i'm a londoner okay i'm gonna i'm gonna stop that shit um yeah so you know i'm a i'm a brit uh i was born here in london even though i'm technically not in london anymore but yeah i'm a i'm a londoner but to say that i am a to say that i'm a Brit through and through is, is probably not particularly uh, well. It's not accurate at all, actually, um, because uh, f- well, my studies for a start have taken me sort of uh, to different countries, to different places, um, exposed to different cultures. Uh, ethnically, I am Indian, even though I suppose if you if you were to stick me uh, in the middle of India somewhere, I mean, maybe not directly in the middle. I actually, I don't even know what's in the middle, but just you know, maybe not uh, in the arse end of nowhere. But if you were to stick me in India, uh, chances are I would probably be dead within five minutes because I have no clue. Um, but yeah, ethnically, I am Indian, but I, I identify with uh, England, uh, with Western culture, with the English language more so than any other language. Uh, and why is any of this important? You know. But my studies have taken me around the world. I did my degree in the US. Um, I did my HND, which is something you do prior to your bachelor's, uh, at least in, in Britain. Uh, I did that in Kent. Uh, it's not technically a new country or anything. Uh, in fact, uh, not even worth mentioning. Uh, I did do my master's in uh, Wales, in Cardiff. That was a little bit different, not massively. Um, I mean, hardly really, uh, aside from an accent, you know. But yeah, my so I I studied in the U.S. and I was fortunate enough to um, meet some incredible people while I was out there. In fact, even though my school was pretty, um, uh, when I say school, my my college, what the American school, college, uh, university, basically, because um, I studied only higher education out there. Uh, you know, even though it was quite a small. Uh, smallish university you know not necessarily on the map as such uh my year at least or or you know my adjacent years um produced some serious uh serious talent actually uh and it's kind of interesting actually uh the level of talent that i did um that that college did produce uh and and you know the people that I I managed to be surrounded by it's uh, it's quite impressive. I was just talking to our manager um, Kit the other day about this actually. You know I find it fascinating that yeah I was you know to me at the time these were just friends and they were fellow creatives and actually they went on to do some really incredible stuff. Um, it produced uh, photographers Sammy Saxon and Ben Cope. Uh, I urge you to go check out their work online. They're um, absolutely incredible. I mean Sammy won a national competition uh, that Ron Howard was running and he had his uh, photograph transformed into a short film 
by Eva Longoria and uh, I think one of the co-founders of Twitter or something, you know, so um, that was a big deal. Uh, ben is uh, a massive um, a freelance photographer, fashion glamour photographer, whatever, shooting A-listers. Even Sammy's done A-listers, actually. He, Sammy's actually provided a lot of, uh, he's discovered a lot of America's next top models, I think. A lot of the models that he shoots, he sends off to those guys and... You know, and then whatever happens on that program happens. Uh, but yeah, Ben's shot a lot of uh, big names. You you'll you'll see them if you go online. Uh, it's produced. Uh, you know, muralist Miguel Godoy, who's a who's a very good friend of mine. Um, and it also introduced me to and produced uh, Jen Moy. Now Jen Jen's an interesting uh, lady, a very interesting lady. She. Basically, you know, started out as uh, as a fine artist. We all did, actually. Um, all of us were painting and drawing and, uh, you know, d d doing the sort of traditional uh, visual art stuff uh, during our time at Columbus State University. And then, you know, once you leave, you kind of go off and do other things or, or pursue a... Um, you know, you go on and produce, uh, you, you would go on to uh, focus on something, find a focus, and, and you would work in that. So for Ben and Sammy, is photography, even though that was always there, sort of, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, Miguel's gone on to do these incredible gargantuan large-scale murals and whatnot, um, beautiful works. Go check him out online, too. Uh, and Jen actually became a graphic designer in film. And television. So her her first job. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away here because we're going to talk about it later, as always. But um, you know, her first job. I think if I can track it, uh, did she did she work on Fast Five first, and then I think she went on to The Walking Dead and did a long stint on The Walking Dead. Um, and then from there, she basically, I mean, found her footing in. In uh, Marvel, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in in all the MCU films, so she's she's the girl who sat there designing all the packaging, you know, the stuff that looks like Coca Cola, but it's not Coca Cola because you can't use the brand names and stuff, um, you know, uh, and dressing up all the shops and stuff on set and all that kind of stuff. Not not she, just to clarify, she's not a set dresser. She's the graphic designer that's producing a lot of this stuff that goes in uh, into the sets. So, um, she, yeah, she's managed to sculpt an incredible uh, career in film, actually. And it took ages for me to be able to get to talk to her because she was always under contract, uh, always signed up to NDAs. Uh, and I know what those uh, NDAs are like, actually. In fact, I had to sign, had to sign a Marvel one uh, when I went to uh, my little impromptu set visit to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, I had to sign one of those bad boys so yeah, I did read it. I mean, obviously her contract's going to be something a little more uh, involved, but you know, as opposed to just a visitors thing that you just sign on the day, which is only a couple of sheets of A4 or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I finally managed to get to speak to her maybe about I don't know a year and a bit ago. I mean, it was a while back now. Uh, yeah, around a year ago, I think. And um, we, yeah, we got stuck into what it actually means to be a graphic designer because uh, on film, because I wasn't 100% sure myself, at least not at the time. Uh, oh, and uh, before I forget, uh, make sure you stay tuned uh, to the end of the episode um, because I've got a special little teaser for a new project that our manager Kit, uh, Kit Shah and I have been working on. Uh, a special uh, teaser for um, our 
new upcoming podcast basically and our upcoming new venture so uh stay tuned for that as well but yeah so without too much further ado uh let's get into my little conversation with uh jen moy and past me bye today i'm joined by a very special guest a dear friend of mine from university at csu uh jen moy hey jen hello hi hi thanks for uh thanks for coming thanks for having me yeah so jen look it's been like literally it's got to be close to a decade no since we last saw each other tell me uh isn't it i i think longer really bloody hell okay geez okay so we were at uni together i left csu in 2003 you stayed on for another year I think so. I think you were either ahead of mm. me or I, I did a bunch of uh, interns, internships at the museum. Okay. So I kind of stuck around as long as they would let me. Yeah. Just doing that, doing that. Cause I wasn't really sure where, where, what to do after college. Right. Okay. You know, like where, where, what the next step should be. And so mm. I kind of, I think at that time I was trying to get into exhibit design with museums because yeah. that seemed, which is really close to what I do now. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. You know, so we'll, we'll get yeah. to that in a minute, just to give people a bit of a background. So we studied art and design together. Um, we majored in art, so we were doing everything related to that, sculpture, photography, painting, drawing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Jen, tell us just really briefly what you're actually doing now and then we can sort of um then we can go back to you know college and then how you got to where you are now yeah yeah okay um so i'm a graphic designer in film and in television some people do one i do both i tend to bounce i tend i tend to do a film and a show and a film and and a show which is good it keeps you on your toes they're very different yeah. in a lot of ways for me and uh, for, for graphic design. Yeah. And so it keeps yeah. you, it keeps you flexible to be able to have both skill sets. And yeah, um, so yeah is, I work. So I was just going to say, is that through choice or is that just how it, how it's just worked out, how it's panned out? It's, it's just kind of worked out that way. Um, okay. A little bit of it is where you'll work all year on a film and then somebody will call me and say, Hey, we're shooting this little seven episode TV show. Can you come, you want to jump on this? And then that's kind of your winter. And then in the springtime, the films start crewing up again. And so you kind of, you get those calls, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, nice. And you, well, I suppose like with the film stuff as well, you're obviously going in a lot earlier in the pre-production process, right? You're, you're right from the get go sort of thing. Yeah, I'm not usually the very first, like when they start crewing up the art department. um, I'm, you know, yeah, most shows we're on about at the same time as the the set designers. Okay. You know, it depends on the show. Yeah. Um, You want like six to eight weeks of prep. Easy. Sometimes you get four and it's terrible. Oh, wow. I did a TV show and I did a show with two weeks uh, at the beginning of the year and it was... T- it was tough. Okay. But two you know. weeks. Yeah, two weeks of prep. It was insane, and it was probably one of my favorite shows too. Oh really? So how how yeah. what kind of hours were you doing then for something that like that? That show, 
I mean, I barely saw the house. Like I was just come home and, uh, you know, I was probably on like 15 hour days, you know, the thing about the weird thing about a graphic designer is that there's not really, um, you you work for six departments and, and you work for lawyers and you answer to producers and direct the director on top of your immediate bosses. So, so no one really no one really keeps an eye on your hours or keeps an eye on, you know, are you getting, you know, your fair, like in, in America it's union. Yeah. And so all the other departments, you know, like they have very regulated breaks and, and meal times and yeah. you're not allowed to talk yeah. to them during the meal, whatever. And nobody, that does not apply to graphic designers. Oh gosh. Really? We, yeah. So, so if I work a 15 hour day, unless I complain about it, no one really even knows. Yeah. Notices. Yeah. But it's, it's, okay. it's it's very like it's perfect for me and i i love it so that's what i do (laughs) yeah god that that's um because what like a 12 and a half hour turnaround is is kind of the norm and you're pushing 15 that's like yeah bloody hell god but no but nobody there's nobody to we don't get turnaround graphic designers don't have turnaround oh you don't no i mean I'm sure there are some yeah. who insist on it, but, yeah, yeah. and in those days, you know, you'll have, you'll have a little chunk of time where it's like that. And then the rest of the time you're on 10 or 12s, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just kind of coming and going. And lately it seems like nobody wants to, nobody wants to give you pre- enough prep time. Yeah. So you end up kind of in that crunch mode and it's really hard to get out of it. Right. Okay. Um, so it just becomes routine, huh? Yeah, you're just kind of like running right in front of you're running ahead of the shooting crew trying yeah. to get your sets ready. Yeah. And uh, you know. Oh my god. That sounds intense. It is, but it's what? fun. It's yeah, always a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. I bet it is, man. Like uh, some of the projects that I've seen uh your name attributed to of late are just um they're wonderful actually. They're really fantastic. But we can talk about that in a bit. So, like you mentioned, okay, so you mentioned that you were doing some internships at the Columbus Museum. Yes. So that was after graduating? You were no, it was on... while I was in school. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. It was while I was in school, and then I think I came back and worked there. I built a couple of the permanent exhibits there. I'm sure they're, oh, wow. they're gone now, but, right. but I came back in, and I mean, it was, you know, it was really manual labor, but... Yeah the finishing skills you needed were a little more than you would have like in a standard construction crew. Right. A lot of it was just building walls and drywall and nail guns. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. So it's like proper construction stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting as well. So then, okay. How did you, well, like, like briskly moving along then, how did you transition from that to your next phase and what, what was the next, next stage? So all through college mm. and while I was also working at the museum, mm. I was always blacksmithing. I was always, oh, I was always, um, I always had a side job, no matter what else yeah. I was doing as always, I would go up, even if it was just one day a week or two days a week, this guy that I hooked up with yeah. in, co- in college, he was a, one of the professors, I think it was after George Goddard left. Okay. Uh, David, yeah. David Cornette came in and taught, I think for just two years and I started working for him and I eventually, uh, after college, I went up there and designed some stuff for him, some gates. Okay. And then he okay. said, okay, tomorrow you're going to come in and you're going to make them. And I was oh, like, 
okay, that's what I'm doing. So I didn't have okay. a job and it was money and I was like, cool, I'll do it. And I kind yeah, of yeah. fell in love with it. And, um, and I blacksmithed on and off yeah. up until yeah. I think I was 29 when I finally stopped. Oh, wow. So a good chunk of time then. Yeah, I did it almost, almost 10 years. Oh, I, no, I, I spent my 21st birthday at a blacksmithing conference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you poor thing. Well, did you have fun? No, I mean, it was great, yeah. Did you have to, like, drink a lot to sort of uh, to, to, to cope with it? To keep up with, with the blacksmith, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So how different is, say, um, that role to uh, the job of, say, an art technician? I was reading an interesting article just today. Uh, I forget where it was. Um, but it was talking about sort of British artists and well technicians actually, British art technicians and how uh, they end up they're essentially fabricators and it's the first time that I'd read the word fabricator um, in relation to the art world and perhaps it is common I don't know I'm a little detached from it I guess but uh, you know whenever somebody says fabricator to me straight away I think of costume uh, in film and television oh. so like. They were talking about how, you know, an artist will come along and essentially the artist is just comes along with a concept and then it's down to the art technician to build the thing. So in some yeah. cases, you know, the, the artist doesn't even touch the piece of work and it, mm -hmm. and it raises this really interesting argument about, well, then is it really the artist's work and, you know, um, what does it mean to collectors? Because a collector might think that, well, this is, you know, this piece of artwork uh, it's unique and it's by this person and that person has, because that person's touched it and they've created it but in actuality they haven't it's some anonymous person behind the scenes or persons so what is there a difference between you know because I appreciate that sometimes jargon terminology uh, is different between you know you being in the US and us being here in the UK is there a difference in terms of the the term fabricator no um sorry no in terms of like what an like art process yeah like in, what an art technician versus a blacksmith you know I mean, I mean i know what a blacksmith is traditionally but you're you're sort of talking about working with artists and and building things for artists so yeah like, is there a yeah i, I guess i started out because in in blacksmithing i it's called an apprentice but i right. mean it would have been it would have been sort of like a fabricator or an hmm. assistant. I was doing a lot of the designing, but he was also doing a lot of the designing. He right. physically couldn't, he physically couldn't blacksmith anymore. Right. Um, so a lot of it, I was doing that. But then after, as I got, I got tired of living in that small town and yeah. I had met my wife and she lived in Atlanta and yeah. um, I got a job as, as an art, as like what you would call like a fabricator. And okay. I worked for an artist and I, you just, he, I mean, he was in the studio with us and he was, he was blacksmithing and well, you okay. know, we're, it was more, it was more metalworking than, than traditional blacksmithing, but right. he was, you know, he was down there with us, but mostly the hard stuff we, you know, there was three, he had three of us in there and wow. we did it all. And we, you know, he paid us like 15 bucks an hour and yeah. he sold yeah. these pieces for a half a million dollars. And oh, it was interesting, you know, it was, it was a good experience for me. Yeah. Um, to see how someone experiments without concern for for money, you know, they could go yeah. to the store and just be like, "All this stuff looks really cool. I'm going to buy it all, and I'm going to come yeah. back and I'm going to make 
make something. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. I had not had that. I, it was more than, more than just personally having the luxury financially to do it. It was just to see that, to see that level of like just yeah. exploration Yeah. was, it was kind of a little, it took me a minute to really understand what I was seeing, but then I, it was a little eye opening and, you know, yeah. it, it definitely changed the way I looked because I would treat everything as precious. And I was sort of, there's a little amount of fear in, yeah. in starting something because if you ruin it, then that's the only one you have. Hmm. And he, he had that sort of abandon right. where it just didn't matter. Well, just buy another one. It'll be fine. And it, <laughs> and it definitely, it definitely changed my attitude a lot. And it, yeah. it definitely opened, opened me up to being able to do more. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, because that directly contradicts what we're taught all throughout art college. I mean, it's a, it's a stereotype, bit of a cliche that, you know, artist is going to struggle. Um, yeah. Whereas the elite, the gallery owners, the collectors, that's where all the money is and, you know, and that's all champagne and caviar. But here you're talking about a chap who uh, who's easily putting away, what, half a million for a, for a piece. And yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how how can this dude even afford um, to have three, you know, assistants or fabricators, you know, whatever you want to call them, but now we know, right? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he's, and he's still in Atlanta. Wow. And it's, he seems to have a, still be a successful studio, Yeah. you know. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he, he, and, you know, his employees had, he had, he had three people in the warehouse and then he had like an office assistant and we all had health insurance even. <laughs> He took care of us, you know. Wow. wow, that is amazing. Which is rare. I would imagine there are some people who were just like, no, you, here's $10 under the table. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, now, now he, go he saw this that. thing. Yeah. Don't worry about wearing safety goggles or boots. Just go build yeah. that giant fucking thing over there. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. That's amazing. It was okay. Wild. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's incredible. I'd love to, I'd love to be able to experience that. So then, okay. So you were there for, Jesus, you were doing this. For basically ten years. Yeah, on a, yeah, I think full time. I think I did it full time like six or seven years. Wow! And there was okay. kind of an ease in and an ease yeah, yeah. out. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was an ease out. I can understand easing into something. You would how then? So describe that period then when you were when you did. Was it a conscientious decision? Were you just like, well, I'm done with this. I've kind of explored this avenue um and taking it as far as i can now i want to move into something else was it was it or was it quite organic usually my my transitions are pretty organic where yeah. i'm just i'm just kind of like well that seems cool i'm gonna go do that for a while and yeah. see where it takes me and um i had friends yeah i think like, i can't remember exactly I mean, it's been a while yeah, i yeah, can't yeah, remember yeah. exactly but it I think it was like there was a gap between commissions and a friend was working in archaeology and she was like, Hey, we need help down here on, the, on this dig. Would you want to come down and do this? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, cool. I think, I think I was making like $9 an hour or something digging okay. holes in Florida. Oh my and God. Then, um, Not in the summer, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was in the summer. Fuck. Okay. Terrible. But it was, it was interesting, you know, you're digging holes. It was, <laughs> you know, it's the old part of the, country it's cool and and then uh i would bounce back and forth i'd bounce back and forth between commissions i would yeah. dig and then i would come up and work and and then um 
I think I decided to, I was just really frustrated and, and I couldn't really ever figure out what it was that was frustrating. And, and looking back now, I understand that I was tired of, I was just frustrated with working in one medium. It wasn't, it wasn't enough. And I was kind of looking for that thing that would give me that satisfaction of lots and lots of different materials and lots of different, like understanding how lots of things work and then, and then making them work together was, was really what I was looking for. And I, um, I ended up working. So I met my wife and I moved to Atlanta and I was working for that blacksmith and I, it was interesting. I learned a lot and it, but there was a lot of that situation that wasn't for me. And so Mm. I, that ended and I got an opportunity to, to work for Cirque du Soleil and I worked. Yeah. So I worked in costumes in Cirque du Soleil when they were in town, only when they were in Atlanta. Right. And, um, I, so I did that for, I think four months and right before that I had done Karen, my wife, Karen had been like, you, why don't you come PA on this commercial? And I had, I had talked to her enough about her work. She works in the, she was, she's the reason I'm in the industry. Okay. And she, she had talked to me enough about what happened at work and what happened on set that I knew enough. I knew enough to scam my way through my first show, my first commercial commercials are like four days, you know, four or five days. Yeah. And so I kind of scam my way, like, you know, I'm, I'm smart. I'll p- I pick it up quickly, I guess. Yeah. And so I just would be like, yeah, cool. And you know, the job of an assistant is someone tells you what to do and you go yeah. do it. You come back and say, what else can I do? So yeah. I'm really good at that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just, I took right to it. And so after the Cirque du Soleil job ended, which was yeah. really wild, I was doing like costume changes with the clowns on the sides of the stage and, <laughs> It was, oh it was a sur- very surreal, like how that was the beginning of like, wow, this is the weirdest job I've ever going to have. Yeah. And I still say that I said that this year, <laughs> like every day, every, every job I have, I'm like, man, this is never, it's never going to get weirder than this. Yeah, and it yeah. always does. Oh, it does. Um, okay. It always does. Always. And so, yeah. So after Cirque, uh, the blind side called and yeah. that was the beginning of the end. That was where. I got, I got into it and I I was immediately into the art department. I was okay. never on set or anything like that. And, okay. um, and what's the blind side? Was, sorry, excuse my uh, ignorance. The blind side was that it was that, sorry, it's a, it was a feature film with Sandra Bullock and okay. it had the, uh, she, the football player that the white family adopted. Okay. Was, I think it came I out in like 2008. One. It was really okay. old. Okay. Blind yeah. side. Oh no. Okay. Um, all right. So you got that gig. So got that gig and um, that was the one of the it wasn't the first one. I think Halloween two was the was one of the first big film that came to Georgia. Okay. But the blind side, I think Halloween two and then Zombieland. And then the blind side. So oh, wow. So you were on Zombieland. So, no, I wasn't on Zombieland. Okay. I, I tried to get on Zombieland. I couldn't. Okay. All right. It was, okay. The, they were already crewed up. OK. And um. But it was the first like string of movies that were here. So right. as an art PA, there's only one of us. Yeah. And then it, there just wasn't many people. There weren't many art PAs. So okay. I didn't really ever have to look for work because there was so much of it yeah. that there was always somebody. I always had somebody call me. Yeah. And I just went from movie to movie to movie with very little breaks at all. 
Oh, amazing. That's perfect. That's what you want, right? Yeah, I mean, at some point you need a break. But <laughs> oh, you mean literally there was zero in between time? A lot of times, yeah. There, there oh, would be okay. years that I would work. I've worked, I've worked like three years straight before. Oh gosh. Yeah. I don't know if that's illegal, but uh, yeah, we'll look yeah, that up and not, then see if we cut healthy. it. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell, Jesus, that is yeah. intense. Okay, so now we but are. It's always, it, but the way the way the industry is, you know, yeah. they say it's feast or famine, and you never know when your next job is. Yeah, so you yeah. got to take this one, and it's just yeah, fear. Just end up at some point. You go, no, I can't. I'm yeah. not available. Yeah, in the beginning, yeah. I mean, it's nice to be in that position where you can just say no. But like, I suppose fear keeps you in check, doesn't it? And they're probably banking on that to some degree. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so now we are firmly um, rooted in your film career. We're so we're in like the yeah. film and TV. Uh, so we're what in the mid to late noughties now? No, no, late noughties. Sorry, no, no, uh, uh, late to early two um, thousands, right? Uh, I think it was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay, late when I late first noughties, got into yeah. the industry. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so um, I mean, I remember your stint on the walking dead yeah okay so can you so you basically now you're firmly in the art department and are you at this stage now like at what point do you become a graphic designer because you talked about being a pa and whatnot how did you then sort of step it up to actually doing graphic design for these well guys? i did I, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be a graphic designer or a set designer. Right. And so I took, um, I took an online course, uh, yeah. to learn CAD. I took that for like six months okay. maybe. Um, and I, and I was doing a little bit of, you know, as a PA, as an assistant, you can do a little bit of work. So yeah. I would do like director's plans or I would go survey and, I, you know, I really enjoyed that. And then I also would jump in with graphics and do, you know, you, yeah. you do flyers and bottle labels and just stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, I kind of just wasn't really sure what to do because I wanted to do both, but I needed okay. to get hired to do one or the other right? To, in order to, to really do anything. And, uh, a, a movie was like a little, it was, it had a lot of really big actors in it, but there was not a much art department budget and they needed yeah some graphics and so they said come you know can can you just come do this you know okay. and i said Sh sure let's do it okay. and um which film was that do you mind me asking it was called a c o d oh uh, yeah adult children adult of divorce. children of divorce yeah, yeah with um adam scott yeah i saw that one mm -hmm. actually i saw that yeah i quite liked it it was a bit depressing but i liked yeah. it Okay, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay, so that was your first gig as a graphic As a designer. graphic designer, yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay, so what did you do on that? Oh, it's been so long ago. Oh, okay, I did fine, fine, fine. Graphics? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember, I still have one of the logos in my in my portfolio. It, was, okay. it ended up really, turned out really well. It was like a travel agency or something that he went to. Okay. Maybe his mom worked at, I don't remember. I can't remember. And, uh... And I, that logo turned out well, but you know, I designed the book cover and I designed okay. all the, the signage when she's re-releases the other books. And, um, there's any, anytime anybody goes into any store, yeah, there's all those logos are 
are new to the show. They're oh, they're wow, fake. Okay. okay. So like there was there was like a sweet shop and there was um a coffee house and there was okay. anytime anybody goes into those the the menus are redone. Yeah. The the photos that are in the coffee shop are taken down and new ones are put up. And some of that's legal and some yeah. of that's just design decisions. Okay. And um so it and, is about so, IP, isn't it? It's about copyright, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please carry on. That's okay. Um, so, so a lot of the stuff that a graphic designer does, yeah, either you don't realize it is, or you don't realize that that's a thing that yeah. anybody had to deal with, yeah. or um, or it never even is seen because it's out of focus. Right. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or it's or it's laying down flat on the table in front of the actor and it, yeah. no one ever sees it, but it's yeah. scrutinized as if it was going to be a tight shot and yeah. would be yeah. twenty feet tall in the theater. <laughs> well, that's so that's like just in case, isn't it? Just in case they decide actually, do you know what? Let's yeah. just pan up here, and then you catch yeah. that logo or whatever, and if it's like I don't know, whatever, like Penguin Books or something, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah. You know, you owe somebody money all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and and it's getting even in the the ten tenish years that I've done it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more and more and more intense. Oh really? Yeah, the lawyers are they scrutinize everything. They're at the point that I think they want to start clearing. We call it clearing. Yeah. Things. Uh, they want to they want to clear furniture and and fabric patterns, which is just crippling. Oh, wow. Pa- really, you know, patterns? Are they what? Are they patterns. copyrighted? Are they furniture they, patterns and things like that? It's kind of one of those things that, like, well, you know, like it, it. I mean, an artist did create it, and yeah. and you know, now it's now it's on the cover of your DVD, you know, yeah. and you're not, you know, the artist isn't getting any money for it. So I do see some of it, but then hmm. sometimes it's like, you know, at some point it becomes just what they call fair use, yeah. where you know, it's a chair, someone's sitting in it, and that's yeah. just real life, and this is art, and you gotta let it go. Yeah, yeah, where do you stop, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. But, um, okay, so then, I, okay, so I remember, I remember Walking Dead. So you did, was ACOD before or I after I think I did, part? I think I did, I did ACOD, and then I can't, and then I started on The Walking Dead. And cool. they they didn't have um, a full time graphics position, so okay. it would be like three or four days per episode instead of working all eight days. I think they have an eight day shooting schedule. Yeah, okay. Um. So I would just kind of bounce. I would bounce in and out. You know, they'd okay. say, "Well, we need you for four days, and we need you for three days, and whatever." And then, and yeah. I really wasn't doing anything super intense. Okay. Like in terms of big, not nothing really big big signage until we did Woodbury when we opened Woodbury that's when it became a full-time position and because it was a lot of work and Woodbury oh my god I'm gonna get like lambasted for this I have yet to see The Walking Dead so what is Woodbury a town I'm guessing it's a big it's like a, a small town yeah in I guess I was on season three okay yeah, season three. It's a small town. Do you remember there was a character called the Governor? That rings a bell, actually. Yeah, he lived in this little town. He like took over and was kind of the the leader of this town. He turned okay. out to be a psychopath. 
Right. And then they left. But it's but anytime you do like a street scene like that. Yeah. Um, especially if you're establishing it like, you know, the, the fun thing about television is the sets kind of become characters. Right. You know, Woodbury, Woodbury, the feel of that town was its own character. Right. And so when you do a town like that, it's a combination of clearances. You know, you you want to create a fictional space. Yeah. For the the canon. And so all of the signage and all of the things have to go away and we have to have our own. But in the same breath, it's a working, functioning town. And all these businesses are actually other businesses that are open. Oh, right. Yeah. So you have to cover you have to you have to come up with ways to cover the the visa sticker and you have to come up with ways (laughs) to cover you know, this radio station has to be a cigar shop and, right. you know, just all okay. these things. And so in the challenge of designing, you also yeah. have to figure out how to make things so that they can be easily taken up and taken down Yeah, because they sure. have to get, you know, you're only shooting in Woodbury two days, an episode. So right. then the other days it's a normal town. Yeah, and yeah. so it's this, you know, there's, a, there's a lot. That's, that's the thing that really keeps me ticking with the, with the graphics is that mm. it's more than just design. It's a lot yeah. of other mechanics Yeah. and, and multiple departments. And I'm still, you know, I still talk to construction every day yeah. and walk the sets and um, oh, the challenge, you know, the challenge of all that is yeah. what. That's, f- that's fascinating, man. Like, cause you, you've got to be thinking about, yeah, as you say, like every aspect, it's not just this, putting like creating this little visual you've got to actually see it and it's not like i was going to say see it applied in the real and i'm using air quotes not that anybody can see me real world um but it's like how does that even how do you fit that it's like uh, i don't know a billboard designer probably just designs a poster and they don't have to worry about how it's going to get up there or how it's going to be pasted what type of glue you use what but all of these are considerations for you. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to know all the different materials that the mm. print house has so right. that you can figure out a new unique way to combine them to create a, you know, a planet mm-hmm. or to create 1950 or, yeah. you, you know, like whatever, whatever challenge you're, you're given for mm. every show has a different challenge and, yeah. and you have to kind of figure out, you know, if you're working on a period piece, you have to go, well, you know, what, what machines were available in 1950? None, you know, like (laughs) vinyl cutting wasn't really a thing in 1984. And so, you you know, you don't really, everything is still screen printed or hand painted in 1984, even though that seems like it's really not that long ago. Yeah. So there's a lot of history and then there's a lot of trying to figure out the fastest, cheapest, easiest way to make something look like it was handmade. Right. And a lot of that, you know, you end up in Photoshop with that, but or hopefully you have good scenics that can hand paint it. Oh, um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of different things. And as you're building your file, you have to figure that out too. Hmm. And and you know, yeah, to be thinking about the, this material and certain ways you you need cut lines. You know, if it's going to be cut out of vinyl or CNC, yeah. then you have to build your lines a certain way. So it's so it's a lot of it's a lot of elements. It's a lot yeah. of layers. Yeah, yeah. It sounds... Oh, God, it sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> it does, actually. Jesus. Oh, okay. Uh, so then, from The Walking Dead, where do we hop to next? Um, well, there was a chunk in the middle of The Walking Dead. On mm-hmm. that se- on season three, I left... 
because it wasn't full time and yeah. I got offered uh scary movie five. Okay, cool. Uh, which I've never seen. Okay. And <laughs> I went and did that. I did meet a lot of people who I'm still uh, good friends with and I still work yeah. with a lot um, yeah. on that movie. So it was definitely, we had a lot of fun. None of yeah. us had any, you know, we weren't really connected to the project, but the art department had a lot of fun. Right. Um, and, and then I went, I don't know if I did anything after that or if I went back to The Walking Dead. Right. Okay. And so after that, okay, let's move on to um, some of the big budget sort of stuff, um, if we can. So I do remember you telling me quite a while ago that you were working on Fast and Furious 5 as a graphic designer. I think that was, was it 5? No, I was a, Fast 5, I was a PA. I was like the oh, key, okay. I was basically an assistant art director. But okay. we didn't have an assistant art director position. Right. I have not done any of the five. I've not done another one of those since hmm. then. Okay. But then did that lead on to... Uh, so, like, you know, of late, you are now sort of based, what, primarily out of Pinewood in Atlanta, right? Yeah, I work in Pinewood a lot. Hmm. Um, Marvel's basically set up there. Okay. So they've they've got I think all of the stages. I think there's something like thirty stages. Right. Um, which is it's the largest one. Uh, it's larger than the one you guys have in London. It's right. um, it's bigger than I think Holly. The one in L.A. is bigger or as big. But okay. The one in 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 uh, Pinewood in in Fayetteville is it's the biggest. Is it really? It's oh, huge. Wow. Okay. It's insane. When I started, I think uh, my first gig down there was on Spider-Man, okay. and there were nine stages, ten stages maybe. Okay. And then yeah. by the end of Infinity War, which was a two-year time span, there were yeah. 30 stages. Wow, okay. There was like a whole other unit. Every time you would go over, you know, across the street where the art, you know, art department was yeah. across the street in this school they had converted to offices and every time you would go across the street and there would just be a whole new building there it was <laughs> they were just they were just putting these things up they were building because the walls are really thick to yeah. help with the yeah. soundproofing yeah so they were actually building them they were pouring all this concrete on the ground and then they would just lift all the walls up so it would wow. literally would they would just be walls all of a sudden oh it was wow. wild that's yeah. incredible okay so yeah we've jumped now firmly into the into your marvel career um now, I, I was lucky enough to visit uh, Pinewood in Atlanta, I think it was 2016. So basically, we were flying out. We were going to Columbus, actually, for my cousin's wedding. And um, ah. I remember Artie said, well, they're filming Guardians 2 in Atlanta. We should, um, you know, let me, let, me, let me call James Gunn and see, you know, if we can pop by. So I was like, what the fuck? And so she, yeah. she messaged him. And he was like, yeah, yeah, come by whenever. So we got to, you know, we got the the tour and stuff. But I guess, so 2016, were you there? If you, if Spider-Man was your first one? Spider-Man was my first one. Okay. I, it, depending on when you came during shooting, we might have been on campus at the same time. But I think, yeah, I think maybe I wasn't there yet. Okay. Well, I like to just, started. I'm just going to imagine that you were and, you know, just kind of <laughs> missed each other. But somewhere there, I was like, my college yeah. friend is yeah. yeah, I sense her. But yeah. In a dark building. Yeah. Surrounded by concrete walls. 
while yeah. they're like being zipped around on one of those uh, golf carts. It was hilarious. While the while the kid just decided to tell us the entire story. I was like, oh my god, I don't need to see yeah. this film now. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, okay, so Spider-Man Homecoming was your first yeah. Marvel film. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that experience? What role you did? What What kind of work was involved? And, and actually kind um, of where we can see that work, you know, in, in the film itself, if, uh, if at all. Let me think. Um, I've only, I saw that we, they, they do these screenings for us hmm. here in Atlanta. So I saw it at the screening and I haven't really sat down and watched it again. Since, oh, okay, fine, fine. Are these the cast and crew, I'm yeah? I'm sure there's tons, I mean, I did tons and tons of work. Yeah. So I started. There was a. There's another graphic designer on there. He's hmm. he was the lead graphic designer. His name is Kevin Calaba. He's out of L.A. Okay. But he was here in Atlanta, and um, they brought. They needed an additional because it was just a crazy amount of work. Yeah. And so I came in, and um, I think I was supposed to be there for like six weeks, and I was there for three months, oh, and um, it just we just could never really get in front of. The, you know, we, mm. we would get ahead and then we would kind of, it, the, things would change or yeah. sets, sets would go away or, you know, if you lose a location agreement that, yeah. you know, that all my work is specific to that location. And so now I've got to go oh. figure this out again. Interesting. Um, okay. So, so it, it sort of ended up feeling a little bit like at certain points, we definitely felt like we were on a TV show in terms yeah. of the, the pace, Speed, the pacing yeah. that we were doing. Yeah, yeah. But when so there's two of us and Kevin and I had a really great uh, relationship where we were comfortable enough to be like, hey, what do you think about this? And like kind of talk each other through design issues so that we were able to produce a large quantity of work. And it looked it all looked really good. I was really proud of all of it. But yeah. a lot of it was a collaboration um, in terms of like, you know, Kevin is. I would let him, you know, he would design the main logo and then I would get it from him and I would just, you know, fit out the rest of the store with yeah. whatever, you know, whatever menus or posters or whatever you need. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, we, I did the fairy, you know, that fairy that's yeah, split yeah. in half. Yeah. That was a practical set. Not only wow. was it a practical set, but we actually split the set in half. Oh my we, goodness. We, we built the ferry. We built like one end of the ferry, yeah. and then we actually it actually opened up. Incredible. It was on hydraulics. Yeah, I was going to say that's so like the old a, school style, right? Like the yeah, old seventies disaster yeah, film stuff. It was. It was insane it, to see that thing open. Was was just wild. Oh wow! Incredible. And yeah. How many times did they have to? Like, how many takes did they do? They shot out there. For weeks and weeks, yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Because it was a lot of water work. You know, all yeah, that yeah. water, those cars floating around—that was real. They really put cars in there and then dumped water down in there, and the Jeez. footage of those cars floating around is—that's real. That is. What so it was intense, and there was a green screen that was yeah. three stories high that was completely Whoa. wrapped around this ferry that yeah. was open. So it was, and, and it was full scale. It was, it was a full size ferry that we built on land and then, and it opened and closed. It was why it was, that was really impressive. That was, that was probably one of the most impressive sets I've seen just because of the sheer yeah. engineering of making that happen. Pretty wild. That is amazing. Yeah. And like, like, I don't even think of, I haven't seen all the behind the scenes stuff. I've seen some of it. I don't recall that showing up. Like that kind of feels like, 
it would make its own little feature, no? You can make a little yeah. ten minute thing just about that. Jesus. That yeah, that's impressive. Um okay, so then from from Spidey, so you're doing all the stuff on Spider Man and and that was it. Did that then was that like the uh platform from which you just kept jumping from Marvel movie to Marvel movie? Yeah, that that seems i I made just some good connections. Yeah. And um they were they were crewing up uh Avengers. Yeah. At the time, like right as Spider Man was in, was ending. So we were kind of doing this thing where like somebody in the office would come in and be like, Oh, I went over and did an interview and yeah. it was really weird or they would go over and come back and be like, Oh, it was really great and you know, just yeah. everybody had kind of their own take on it and um, I had befriended a woman who was an art director on yeah. Spider-Man and she was going to be an art director on uh, Avengers and she okay. recommended me to the graphic designer on Avengers, nice. the lead graphic designer. And so I went over and interviewed and got the job Fantastic. and then spent, I did have a little time off before yeah. that was kind of like, I did have like a good Christmas break. Yeah, and then we um, and then we went, we hit it hard, and did it for, I did all of it for the whole year. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it it they shot for that's one of the longest productions. I mean, we made two movies at yeah. once. Yeah. And we definitely right. made both movies at the same time, yeah. but um, it it was the long like you know to be on a show for eighteen months is wild. Yeah. So. So it was definitely some people had there was somebody on the show and she made a comment and I just thought it was so crazy. Yeah. She said, if I have three birthdays on the same movie, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> oh my she God. was ready to go back home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's unheard of. huh? Like, uh, yeah. I guess, yeah, yeah. like the only other films I can think of that were shot sort of back to back were I think Back to the Future started that trend. I think. I mean, I'm, I might be wrong, but Back to the Future two and three were shot side by side. I wonder how long that was. Probably not as long as this, right? Just because of the scale Probably of not. Avengers. Yeah, I mean, we had we were creating entire worlds. Yeah. You know, and the and the, they were editing it and doing the VFX as we were shooting. Yeah. You know, all those guys were in the same building with us, so we got to see them a lot. Yeah. So like, yeah. How do you mentally cope with the sheer scale of a picture like even like Spider-Man but um absolutely Avengers uh how how do you how do you prep like in in your own head like I just thinking about it, it's giving me like palpitations man like if I had to deal with that I'd be like <laughs> fucking hell like oh I, I don't know well, I can't handle this or I need a Xanax or something <laughs> <laughs> um I think it's just you you do break you break it down into little bits I mean yeah. it's just you just don't really Luckily, my my job is actually such a small part of a big thing. Mm. I don't really, uh, you know, it it it's not like a director where it's like I have to have that end vision. I just yeah. have to have these little visions as sure. we go along. And sometimes, you know, I I did a TV show at the beginning of the year, the end of last year, and the beginning of this year. Mm. Um, that I, I was in charge of a lot more, uh, had an opportunity as a graphic designer to create, yeah. kind of create a world. So I created like a graphic styles sheet 
honestly, okay. and gave it to gave it to the other departments and was like, if you have other graphics designed by, because sometimes you know they'll get stuff from prop houses. You know, you don't, yeah. you just physically can't create all the stuff. Mm. But there was, you know, I, I kind of created like, you know, you see with Coke, like they'll be like, Coke has to be this size and it always mm. has to be this color red and it always has to be these things. Yeah. So. Um, the, I kind of created that for that show because it was we were creating this weird world in heaven, and okay. it was this kind of quir- it was quirky show. It's not out yet, um, okay. but it, it's it's a cool little show. So you can you do a little bit of that at the beginning of the show where you kind of give yourself a few rules to follow because yeah. it actually just makes things a little bit easier. Yeah. But then after that, you just break it down by set, and you know you kind of you get a heads up of which what's going to come first, yeah. and then you just you just tackle it and you just do just this and this and this, you know, yeah. there's always a list. There's always something else you got to do. And so you just kind of keep your head down and yeah. you just have to keep going. So, you, can, you can't really step back and look. Cause then sure. <laughs> that's when you get you over up, wrong. you know, you need the Xanax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So like, are you, how are you being drip fed this sort of info? Like, do you work from a script then? So if you're talking about a feature like Avengers, um, would you have had the script? And you would be no. marking out. You wouldn't be doing that. You would. Would you even no, have sides? No, not on. No, no. Well, a graphic designer never gets sides. We would get. Typically, I'll get a full script. Okay. And um, I'll break it down, and you, you, you do. You just create a breakdown, and okay. and what department is you know like is the actor holding something? Are they in a restaurant? You know yeah. what's going to be on the walls? Yeah. You kind of just have to picture the set in terms of because you know the descriptions aren't going to be in the you know in the script you have to kind of sit there and envision it all as you go and so um you go through that and then you give it to the many department heads and Mm -hmm. you'll sit down with them hopefully and they'll have other requests that have come from the director yeah or have come from the designer and you add those to your list and then you just start you know what's going to be the biggest thing you know you you design the logos first and then you just kind of priority is a priority list and then you just go and you start designing and and you send you're constantly in an approval process right and then and then you have to get it to a printer and you have to deal with the print house and deal with all that stuff as well yeah so Man, yeah, but on but on Infinity War, hmm. on like I had I had scripts on Spider Man that wasn't mm-hmm. a problem, but on Infinity War nobody had scripts. Sure. They had um the the supervising art director yeah. had he had a iPad that right. they would put that Marvel would push the new script pages into, and even then, and I could read it. I read yeah. it once. Yeah. Um. And and but even then there were there were sections of it where it was just straight up blacked out like a government yeah, yeah, yeah. document yeah, where yeah. there were just you know lines so that was really it was interesting yeah. because you yeah. do need you do you need like sometimes there's like character motivation yeah and like you do need a little bit you don't need a ton of that but mm. you do need a little bit of that from like that doesn't really seem like the kind of thing you would have or this seems I like see. the kind of thing that Tony Stark would have in his office yeah. or, you know, like what you kind of need some of that. Yeah, yeah. But, but a lot of it, you know, especially on Avengers was just like, we're in New York. We got to make this look like New York, you know, yeah. just go with it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So where you were talking earlier, you mentioned sort of like, you know, obviously copyright comes into it. So you can't have like the visa logo or 
Coca-Cola mm-hmm. banners and stuff. And so do you, I mean, I've not noticed it in, you know, in any, certainly speaking about the Marvel films, I've not really noticed it in there where I've seen like, oh, look, there's a 7-Up can or there's a Mountain Dew or whatever, or my favorite Mellow Yellow, I wish I could see more Mellow Yellow. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I've never really noticed that stuff where you see them sort of pouring from, you know, bottles and that kind of stuff. So do you, do you say hypothetically you're designing a, a label for a bottle of alcohol or something? Do you draw any inspiration from the real world? Are you actually told oh, yeah. that, well, this needs to evoke this yes, or such and such? Absolutely. And then, okay. Yeah. I, I always say I'm recreating reality yeah. when I'm doing graphics because everything has to be, I mean, you can't just go out there and make something crazy looking because then it, it doesn't look like the movie. You yeah. know, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like 2018. Yeah. So you, you definitely, you do tons of research yeah. and you, and you'll, you'll present it to the designer or sometimes it goes the other way. The designer will come to you and say, I have these three, things that I really like and I need a, a beer bottle label. And these are my three beers that I like. I think it, I think it should be something like this yeah. and you'll, you'll yeah. kind of, you'll go, okay, well this has a white background and this has, you know, I like this font or, yeah. you know, like you kind of build it using elements from the real world. Absolutely. You have to, because otherwise it's, you know, it doesn't look like anything. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. not believable. And the thing is you want someone to not notice it. You yeah. don't want it to stick out. You want yeah. someone to be like, oh, weird. Like, my favorite thing is when I run into people and they're like, yeah, man, I Googled that brand because that beer looked cool and it was fake. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no, I made that. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, yeah, they look like they're enjoying it. I wanted some. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my my dad's a fan and I wanted to buy him that whiskey the actor was, was drinking and it's not real. And I was wow. like, no, I made it. I named it after somebody. It gets that intense, huh? People are that detailed. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to like, sometimes you have to be careful because you can really go down a rabbit hole yeah. of like worrying about what the fans are going to see or like or whatever. And you can't, you yeah. know, you have to not really worry about it too much. But at the yeah. same time, you also, I find myself, I, maybe it's just from my experience on the walking dead because mm. we were out in a, we were really not very protected from the fans in terms of like people could just drive right up to our gate and hang out and really? you're constantly, really? yeah, there were people around constantly because it just wasn't, we were out in the woods and yeah, yeah. people figured it out and they would just show up. We had people sneak on the campus that had like flown in from other countries and like would like crawl through <laughs> the woods to get on campus to just oh, look at goodness. the set. Wow. It was wild. So sometimes I have to remind people like, yeah, you have to pay attention to this detail on set because someone's going to pause the movie yeah, and, yeah. and inspect it and look at it. So you do have to pay attention to it. That's... So it goes back and forth it's, you have to pay attention to both sides, but you can't like, can't get too worried about it. No, that's amazing, man. I guess, yeah, you got to find that balance. Haven't you? There's, I mean, the current climate is such that, I don't know, it just seems to be a lot of, um, you know, the fan base seems to really have a voice and, uh, Sometimes not always for the best, uh, but anyway, that's a different. Uh, that's another story, I guess. But okay, Jen. Um, so let's bring us up to uh, modern day. So you are. What, what's um, what's next? Your what do you what are you up to? So only I... what you can talk about, of course. Well, I can tell you, you know, I can tell you what I'm doing. I just can't yeah. give you details. But honestly, yeah. I don't know that many details. Sure. 
I don't know that many spoilers because the last few projects I've been on have been so big no, that no, no I don't spoilers. get scripts. No spoilers. Please. Um, yeah, no, I don't have many. Um, so I did at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I was on the. I did a TV show yeah. with Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi. Okay. And it's called Miracle Workers, and okay. I, I, it was the first script that I read where I actually just laughed so hard just reading the script. Oh, really? It's when it, it's a, it's on TBS, and when it comes out, I'm like, I'm really happy about this one. It's okay. it's a really good one. So I did that, and then um, and then I did Wonder Woman. Right. Um, I did a pilot. I did a terrible pilot in New Orleans. New Orleans was an interesting town to work in. Okay. And then and then I and then I went to DC. So we shot uh, Wonder Woman in Washington DC because it's okay. set in Washington DC. This is and, the, this um, is the sequel, right? This is the current one. This is the yeah, this is the current one that's okay. they just apparently they released a trailer at Comic-Con but it's not out. Okay. I was I was looking for it earlier this today. I was right. trying to find like a, a leaked but I couldn't find it. <laughs> um because I just want to see my stuff. Uh, so I did I did that, yeah. And okay, cool. then I just did a week, two weeks on a pilot. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's not really a pilot. It's the first episode okay. of a TV show called Lovecraft Country. And okay. it's... Um, As in H.P. Lovecraft? No, no, it's... Um, okay. uh, yeah, he's an author, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Sci-fi author. So, so there's a book that came out, I guess, last year called Lovecraft Country, and it's about these. It's set in 1955, and it's about okay. this uh, this young man who gets out of the military, and he travels uh, he travels home to Chicago, and then he goes okay. from Chicago over into the very very rural area in New York, and it's about him traveling to find his dad, and then what he finds, I guess, is terrible. And it, it's a okay. uh, um, they're African American, and they're traveling, and it's about their how difficult it was to travel as you know, as, cause you don't know what's safe and who, where you can eat and where you can sleep. And, and one of the characters in the book, uh, and, and in the TV show, he is the, the man who, uh, put out this guide called Negro's guide for traveling, I believe it. Oh so he's, God. so he thinks, so that's, that's a real book that I, I actually, when I was in DC, I went to the, um, the African, American History Museum, and they had mm. copies of it there. So mm -hmm. I already knew that that was a real existed, and so because um, I, you know, the typography of it was really cool, mm. and I was into it. Um, and so he he feels confident that he'll be able to find safe places, but then it's the, you know, it's that you just never know, and you, yeah. you can constantly find, you know, racism was terrible even in the north, and yeah. it's just sort of their adventures. And mm. I've only I didn't even read a script on this one because I was just doing, yeah. you know. It's one town, but so I worked on that, but, okay. and I'm, that'll be cool. Yeah. And then I start in a few weeks, I'll start uh, Doom Patrol, Okay. which is the new DC TV show. Oh, right. Nice. Cool. Yeah. And um, that, I don't know much about it other than they're yeah. staying really true to, from the, the conversation I had with the mm. producer, they're going to stay as close to the comic as possible, I guess. Okay. Which, that's cool, and I don't yeah. know. I don't know who's been cast. I don't know anything beyond. I need a break, and I'm going to yeah. take a break, and then I'm going to go and work. <laughs> so I'll be one of multiple. There'll be many graphic designers on that show right. as well, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be cool. Amazing, Jen. You know this conversation has been a long time coming. Thank you so much for making the time. Um, 
next time I'm over your neck of the woods, or if you're ever over yeah. here, we gotta we gotta meet up, man. It's been it's been way too long. Too long, yeah. We're planning a trip to Europe because now I have Good. you know the the Avengers crew and the Wonder Woman crew were all British, and so yeah. I have quite a few friends over there now. Good. So I I, I kind of want to pop over and say hey and yeah tour uh, come tour your pine wood. Yeah, do it, man. Do it. Um, <laughs> Jen, thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been great. It has. It's been wicked. Thank you. Welcome to the PrivateSignings.org website's companion podcast. With each private signing we organize, we interview the film and TV guests to gain further insight into some of their incredible work and experiences. So, if you're an autograph collector or just a fan of film and television, this is the show for you. The PrivateSignings.org podcast. Available soon from wherever you listen to podcasts.